What's up, guys? This is Mike. This is Dave, and you're listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Dave, and welcome back to the Mike and Dave Podcast. It's episode 31 today. It's time for Off the Top. Mike, what prompt do you have for me this week? Dave, between the two of us, I don't pretend to be the baseball expert, the Braves expert. That's you. I consistently defer to you there. However, I was also hype as hell when they won the the World Series last year. Not as much as you. The Braves are your team like like the Hawks are mine. But it was a super fun experience. And them being in Atlanta, that's who I want to win any given year, right? Okay, so not too long ago, the Braves were 23 and 27, losing record. But we've won 12 straight. And the way this game is looking while we're recording, that might turn into 13. You know, it, it very well should. Okay. Now, since last year, we've lost Jock Peterson. We've lost Jorge Soler. We've lost Freddie Freeman. We gained Matt Olson. Ronald Acuna is back. And now Ozzy Albies is hurt. So here's my question, Dave. As a guy who wants the Braves to win, but doesn't know as much as you do about baseball or the Braves. How should I be feeling about the Braves' chances of repeating this year? Well, I think if you had asked me two weeks ago, I would have said, not great. You should not feel great. (laughs) Now, it feels like we can't lose. So, you should feel optimistic. Um, it really, I mean, baseball is a fickle game. It's interesting. It really, and this isn't just baseball, but any sport really, it's really about whoever's hot going into the playoffs. The Braves were hot going into last year's playoffs and they just rode that all the way through and to winning the world series. Um, obviously this hot streak is important right now. We're still trailing the Mets in the division. They're much improved. I mean, I don't even want to talk about the Yankees. They're so good this year. It's ridiculous. I think they've won like 73% of their games or something, which is way higher than any other team. We've still got the Dodgers playing well. The Padres have been playing well without Fernando Tatis Jr., so that's tough. Um, But Acuna's come back, and he's provided a jolt. Um, Our bullpen's kind of figured itself out. Everybody in the lineup is mashing. Dansby Swanson, who I normally ridicule, has actually been playing extremely well in a contract year. Hmm, I wonder why he's suddenly decided to step up his game so he can get freaking paid. I would say we'll almost for sure make the playoffs. So I would say don't count us out. Repeating is pretty difficult. It hasn't happened in quite some time to my recollection. I think maybe the Yankees. I don't know. I mean, I think the team definitely has what it, what it takes when I mean, we've seen that already. And it looks like they've snapped out of their World Series hangover funk. But there are a lot of other really good teams this year that, that look really strong. It, I think it'll just depend on can the Braves stay healthy, which we just saw Ozzy Albies got injured, fractured his foot. He's going to be out for at least a couple months, so that's really bad. Maybe we'll make some trades. I don't know. But, um, I mean, I, I am feeling pretty optimistic about this team. How can you not after last year? Well, that's good. I was hoping it wasn't just going to be like a, uh, oh, don't get your hopes up. It's just 12 games. No big deal. You know. I would have said that last year before we actually proved that we could win. (laughs) But the curse is broken. 
Yep. Yes, indeed. So, so I just checked, and the Yankees were the last team to repeat. They actually three-peated. They won in 98, 99, and 2000, which, to throw back to episode 30, is within the time frame of your biggest could have been from our top five, the Atlanta Braves in that span. So had the Atlanta Braves not been such a disappointment then, it would maybe it wouldn't have been the Yankees. But history remains as such. I think that is going to do it for our Braves discussion for now. When we come back, we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, our 2022 NBA mock draft. So stick around. All right, y'all. So now it's time to get into our 2022 NBA mock draft. Just a couple of things before we start. I'm going to get the first pick because Mike got the first pick in our NFL mock draft that we did a little while ago. We're recording this as of June 14th. So any trades that happen after that, obviously we we can't do anything about. And we're not, and we're also not like forecasting any trades in the mock draft. It's whoever has the pick. We're picking as though that team is going to draft that player. And the last thing is neither Mike nor I know who the other one's going to take at any of these selections. So this is going to kind of be like a real time mock draft where we go back and forth. And then even though I've planned out who I would take at each pick that I have, Mike very may well pick one of those guys for him. And then I'm going to have to scramble and figure out who I would pick just like in the real NBA draft. So that's cool. Starting at number one, the Orlando Magic have the first overall pick. I'm going to select Chet Holmgren. This is for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think he's probably one of the most unique prospects that we've seen in a long time. Uh, a unicorn, if if you will. Um, not only that, but the Magic, they're going to have some of their big men going into free agency, Mo Bamba, Bull Bull, Robin Lopez, uh, all going to be free agents. They have, of course, they have Wendell Carter Jr. at center. Right now, I think Chet Holmgren can definitely coexist with Wendell Carter Jr. and make a really good front court along with Franz Wagner. Uh, Jonathan Isaac, I hope he comes back and is successful, but at this point, you can't, you know, you can't count on that. So, yeah, starting lineup, Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Wagner, Chet Holmgren, and Wendell Carter Jr. Maybe they can actually do a little bit better than 22 and 60. But yeah, that's who I'm going to have them take. Okay. So already we got a shakeup. There's been a lot of like debate between one, two, and three, as is often the case, I feel like. But I'm picking Jabari Smith for the Oklahoma City Thunder here at number two. This is a guy that we're seeing going number one on a lot of uh, people's mock drafts, a lot of big boards. Uh, 6'10", uh, projects as a a big time like stretch four in the NBA. Uh, and, uh, he's also got decent athleticism, defensive ability. Uh, this is a kind of guy that I look at as like sort of relatively low ceiling, but high floor. Uh, this is probably not going to be the best player on any championship winning team, but can be like an immediate starter on a contending team. The Thunder are not one of those, but 
uh, this guy projects to be a solid pro for years to come. Uh, gives a lot of versatility and can really play in most anywhere. Uh, if you're the Thunder, you're just you know stockpiling assets right now. I figure he pairs well with uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, and we'll see what they decide on Jalen Horde after those like efficient seven games that he played at the end of the season. So Jabari Smith out of Auburn is my guy at number two. Yeah, and that's definitely, those were the two guys I was going back and forth on. And that leaves me at number three with the third member of the, those top three guys that are being bounced around. Uh, Paolo Banquero out of Duke um, going to the Rockets at number three. Uh, the Rockets are really in a position where like, They'll just take whoever falls to them out of these three, I think. And the reason for that is because they just need talent. And it doesn't really matter where. Uh, specifically, I think, on the wing. Um, and that's where Boncaro will play, probably at power forward, maybe a little small forward. But like Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, those are a couple guys who had pretty good years last year, or at least came on pretty strong in the second half of the year. Christian Wood's still good there, but... Yeah, I think Boncaro is a guy, not my favorite prospect, if I'm being honest with you. I think he definitely has some some work to do, especially on the defensive end. Um, he has he has all the talent, but I think effort-wise, uh, he could stand to do a little bit better there. Um, but he's still got a really high ceiling for me. And so I think with the Rockets uh, being where they are as a franchise, they just kind of have to swing for a home run. And I think this guy is kind of the, the clear number three prospect in the draft. So the Rockets are going to get him at number three. Yeah. When I look at Paulo Bancaro, I'm just like, how hard are you going to try in the NBA? Because I mean, you mentioned the defensive shortcomings and that was widely just due to lack of effort at Duke. And if you're not motivated at Duke in coach K's last season to play defense, I wonder about that culture in Houston. Not that Houston's going to be wrong for picking Paulo Bancaro. I think, you know, you grab the guy with a high upside there. But good luck to you. I'll say that. So at number four, the Kings confuse me, man. Like, I don't really know what their goal is. But when I look at their roster, you got De'Aaron Fox. They make that trade for DeMontis Sabonis. Davion Mitchell's a good piece. Rashawn Holmes is not... You know, do y'all... Are y'all gonna... Oh, Harrison Barnes. Let me not forget. Are y'all trying to push... Like, push for the playoffs anytime soon? Are you gonna blow it up? I don't know. But based on all of that, I'm just gonna go best available here because... If they want to like try to make that push, I think they can like try to sneak this guy in with Davion Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox. And if they do want to blow it up, this guy makes a solid piece for the future. It's Jaden Ivey. In my mind, he's, he is the next best after those big three uh, guard out of Purdue. Um, you know, he's got the playmaking. He's got the scoring ability. He can he can defend other guards. Uh, how do how does he fit with De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell? Not perfectly, but if it works, it has the potential to work out extremely well. That'll make a very fast-paced team, a fun-to-watch team. And in my mind, you go for the upside there. Yeah, I think that makes some sense. I mean, 
obviously you still have Darren Fox there and Ivy is kind of playing that same position along with Davion Mitchell. So in my mind, that's kind of a log jam at point guard. Um, but at this point, like it's the Kings. So like they, I mean, they traded away Halliburton. <laughs> and one more thing that I, I want to put as an, as a sort of asterisk because of the factors that I laid out with Sacramento, this is where I, ex- where I kind of expect to see a trade, but we're not, you know, doing trades in our mock. If they get Jaden Ivy, then that is still like because of those three guards there, that does give them leeway to make a trade with three valuable assets to a team that wants any of them and then move forward that way. Cool. So I was definitely looking at Jaden Ivy for the Pistons uh, as one of the as one of the options, of course. Uh, I think he could have been a pretty good fit next to Kate Cunningham in that backcourt. Uh Killian Hayes, I just don't know if he's gonna be the guy. It's been a few years since he got drafted, maybe a couple years, I can't remember, but he just hasn't really shown that he has what it takes to be a starter in the league. Um, Pistons are an interesting team. I mean, they still have Jeremy Grant there. He's not really going to fit long-term with their timeline. I would expect him to get traded probably. Um, And Sadiq Bey had a pretty good year last year. Obviously, Cade Cunningham came out and had a good year. So I'm looking at Keegan Murray from Iowa. Um, as kind of the Jeremy Grant replacement or Jeremy Grant of the future, if you will. This guy was really, really good out of Iowa last year. He was one of the best players in the country, I would say. Um, ranked fourth in scoring and really led Iowa and was one of the major reasons why, sad face, uh, I picked Iowa to make it all the way to the national championship game. Of course, that didn't happen. Um, but I think Keegan Murray is still a guy who can come in, contribute right away for sure. Um, kind of be that stretch four next to Isaiah Stewart. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to have Keegan Murray going at number five to the Pistons. I like that pick. Um, especially, you know, being a native Michigander, uh, if I'm Detroit, I'm happy with Jaden Ivey or Keegan Murray. And Frankly, that should make up the top five. In some order, you should see these five players in my mind. Um, Now, Indiana at number six, I think it gets interesting. And I'm going to go ahead and take a guy that has the potential to be one of the better defenders coming out of this draft, if not the best, and that's Dyson Daniels, who's our first non-collegiate player uh, coming out of this year's draft. He'll be coming from that G League Ignite. And this guy has all the tools to be a defensive asset right away. We're talking about a guy that's six foot eight with a six eleven wingspan. Uh, he did really well uh, at both the combine, like physically and with the interview process. Uh, a lot of teams seem to push him a lot higher on their boards. Is, that's what I'm hearing uh, in the past like week or two. Uh, that he is moving up along that, along the board, and to be able to pair him with players like Malcolm Brogdon, like Tyrese Halliburton, uh, guys that are, you know, not scrubs on defense, but are going to shoulder more of an offensive load to be able to put in Dyson Daniels to go ahead and guard the best perimeter player. Uh, I think will help this team along quite nicely. And to be able to pair him with Miles Turner, you know, have a perimeter defender with that interior defensive presence, I think would work really well for this Pacers team. Yeah, I think he could probably fit next to Halberton fairly well. Um, I would be surprised if Miles Turner is still a pacer at the start of next season, if I'm being honest. Um, I know he's got that injury history, but I think 
you know, his free agency is coming up pretty soon. I think the Pacers kind of just need to try to trade him, see what asset they can get in return. But yeah, I think Daniels is a guy who can, who can go ahead and contribute and just is one of those, like, like you said, like new, like G league players who, who's gotten that experience uh, playing against professionals in the past. And uh, yeah, he should be a good fit in Indiana for sure. I know the Hawks, that's one of the guys that are there. People are saying they try to move up for. So if this happened, then they wouldn't quite get him at number seven, uh, which would be unfortunate. But speaking of number seven, the Portland Trailblazers are um, are picking there. And I'm going to give them Jalen Duran out of Memphis. Um, this guy has crazy hops, um, super athletic, big man. And with Yusuf Nurkic going into free agency, I don't know if uh, the Trailblazers are going to try to retain him, especially with where the franchise is at right now. So I can envision them kind of replacing him with this guy, Endurin, uh, lob threat, offensive rebounder, uh, definitely has a lot of potential. I mean, he's not a he's not a threat from the perimeter right now, but the Trailblazers actually have some decent perimeter scorers already. Um, Damian Lillard being one of them. So I think Duran would, would fit at the five there in the middle. And I think this is a good, a good spot for him to be. It might be like a little tiny bit high in terms of like where he ranks um, among all players, but I do really like his game. And I think that he would fit well in Portland as they potentially try to go ahead and rebuild. I like that pick. I'm, I'm a big fan of Jalen here. Um, of Jalen anywhere, honestly, big fan of his game. Um, and it makes sense, you know, especially if Nurkic is on his way out. I know he, he loves playing with Lillard. Uh, that doesn't mean he's a lock to come back next year. You know, I don't, um, yeah, I, I don't know if the trailblazers are going to spend the money on him. to be yeah, honest. Yeah. It, it, if the trailblazers are ready to more or less like move on and just, you know, try something else. And it makes all the sense that they wouldn't. At number eight with New Orleans, I want to specify, this is not who I would pick, but it's who I think the Pelicans would pick, given these seven picks ahead of them. A.J. Griffin out of Duke. Here's why I think the Pelicans would pick him. First of all, another Duke boy to pair with Zion and Brandon Ingram. Uh, Second of all, I get the type of feeling that A.J. Griffin is not going to want to be in a small market. Something about him, I don't know what it is, something about him makes me feel like he's the type of player that is going to want to like be in a bigger place, right? So that's perfect for New Orleans, who loves drafting players that they can't hold on to. Third of all, it doesn't stop there. This man, I say man, he's 18 years old. He's already had fairly significant knee injury in both legs he had now i might be having these backwards i think it was a left knee injury in high no i think it was a right knee injury in high school and then a left knee injury like preseason before this past like season at duke uh now he was able to come back from that uh despite his like unorthodox looking jumper it is pretty efficient uh he does look like one of one of the better three-point shooters in the draft uh and so the appeal is there He's got upside as a 3 and D player. Uh, sure, I'm not 
hating on him, but just something about like when I look at this, I'm like, oh yeah, this is the kind of player that might not be able to play that much and might want to leave. New Orleans seems like the team that's like, yes, our kind of guy. See Anthony Davis. See Zion Williamson. See next AJ Griffin. Dang. Uh, <laughs> sorry to any Pelicans fans who are listening. That's that's not a fun trip down memory lane. Um, I was looking at him for the Spurs, but I think I'm going to go in a different direction. The Spurs are kind of, they're an interesting team because they, they've got a, a bona fide star who should have been an all-star in DeJounte Murray. Other than that, they just kind of have a bunch of young guys who are like, I feel like they're just promising, but they aren't, they haven't matured yet. And we're not sure exactly what they're going to be. So it's just kind of tough to, to figure out like who they are. Um, and also what they need. Cause I mean, Keldon Johnson has had a pretty good start to his career. They still have like a log jam at that, at those wing positions, Josh Primo, Devin Vassell, Josh Richardson, Lonnie Walker's going to be a free agent. Um, so I, I think the Spurs are in an interesting spot uh, of where they might go in this draft. And I could see them going in a number of directions. Um, I am going to have them go to Kentucky and pick up Shadon Sharp guard slash small forward there. Um, I think this guy is probably one of the like highest ceiling guys. Um, he's still extremely young, still kind of figuring out IQ wise, the game of basketball, especially at a high level. I think he's got a ton of athleticism, really long arms at six, six. And I think he, he's one of those guys you watch him move. And it's just like, yeah, that guy is an NBA player. Um, when he's on the court, I think it's a little bit risky, but at this point, the Spurs, I think they've got to try to swing for the fences. I, I know I've said that before, but I think, yeah, I think the Spurs are another team. Like they, they need to try to find that second star to go alongside DeJounte Murray and potentially Sharp could be that guy. Um, there's still a lot of unknowns about him for sure, but I think, um, you know, if anybody's going to get the best out of him, it's going to be pop. That's definitely true. Uh, I've heard a lot about like Shaden Sharp being like the uh, the sleeper of the draft with super high upside, but he's such a such an unknown that you know it, it's going to come down to who takes the risk, and it's Pop. You know, uh, whoever he gets is going to be in a good position to succeed. You know, so I think that is a good fit there. Um, yeah, and if you're the Spurs, it's like, of course, you mentioned Dejounte Murray. I'm a fan of Kelton Johnson's. Jakob Pertle has been fairly productive under Pop. But yeah, they're going to be looking for more like star power for sure. Now, at number 10, I feel like Bradley Beal in Washington gets better every year. I don't know that he's had a year in his career where we haven't seen his name leading the list at, at the trade deadline. I feel like he... He's quote unquote gonna get traded every single year. Never does. I don't know if this is the year that Washington pulls the trigger on it because this is an elite player on a not so elite team that's not doing enough to surround him with the requisite weapons necessary to actually compete. Do they move on from Bradley Beal or do they just stick with it and keep trying for some reason? 
Either way, I think the right move here is Benedict Matherin out of Arizona. This dude can play right now and go ahead and get a bucket in the NBA. This dude is straight up fun to watch. This is a guy that can make it splash from the outside. He's also a guy that can put the ball on the floor, get to the rim, and he is an explosive athlete. Um, I think pairing him with Bradley Beal, not necessarily as an immediate starter, don't get me wrong, but a lineup that puts both of them on the floor at once is tough to guard. I think spacing, like, I think spreading out their minutes uh, is going to do a lot to, like, combat teams in that you always have, like, a dynamic scorer on the court. Um, and if Washington does decide to move on from Bradley Beal, they have a new, like, young star that they can look to, and if they don't, then we've given him a good complimentary piece that will take some of the scoring load off of him. So it won't necessarily be like, oh, did Bradley Beal score 30? If yes, they won. It, maybe. If not, they definitely didn't. I do like Matherin for sure. Um, I think, I mean, he's one of the best shooters for sure in the draft. And the Wizards, they could definitely use some more talent on the wing there, some more offensive firepower. So I, I can definitely see that. I was looking at uh, at Matherin for the Knicks, but um, well, as one of one of the the two guys, so I'm going to pick the other guy. Um, <laughs> Mitchell Robinson is going to be a free agent this year. I don't know if they're going to retain him or not. If they decide not to, they're pretty thin at that center position. I'm going to pick up the second best center in the draft, which is Mark Williams out of Duke. This is a guy who's kind of similar to Jalen Duran in a lot of ways. Um, that typical rim protector, uh, shot blocker, lob threat type of center. Kind of similar to Mitchell Robinson in a lot of ways. Um, I, I kind of see this as like a straight swap. Don't spend the money on Mitchell Robinson. Go ahead and draft um, Mark Williams to go alongside Randall. I mean, they're, they're kind of set already. At, at guard with Emmanuel quickly continuing to develop Burks. They have a lot of money uh, invested in Evan Fournier. And of course, RJ Barrett made that star turn last year as well. So I think Mark Williams fits um, a need that they're going to have. And it's not too far uh, ahead of where I would, I would select him. So I think this makes sense for the Knicks at number 11, though I will say I thought about just giving them a really crappy prospect uh, <laughs> but I have to do my duty and act like I was actually the GM of the Knicks. So that's what I would do is draft Mark Williams. Well, to speak to how much I like that pick, it was about to be mine jerk uh, because I thought, you know, Oh, Oklahoma city, maybe they aren't sold on Jalen Horde after seven games. And if Mark Williams is available, you shouldn't be pick him. But since that's no longer an option, since our hypothetical Thunder just sat on their hands and thought, oh, they won't take Mark Williams, and then watched him go. Let's adjust a little bit, shall we? Let's get a scorer here. Uh, let's get a guy who many might be shocked to see slip out of the top 10. Let's get Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin. We're talking about, you know, to, to pair with Shea Gilgis Alexander and Josh Giddy, and now Jabari Smith, we're talking about a guy that you can give the ball to just go get a bucket, uh, whether that's on the perimeter or attacking the basket. Defense, 
not great, defense not bad, uh, means his minutes shouldn't usually be in jeopardy over uh, def- over defensive uh, shortcomings. Uh, this might help us round out their roster. And if they want to go small, not that I'm recommending it now, this would be uh, risky, but theoretically, Jabari Smith at the five, uh, putting Lou Dort at the four, Johnny Davis at the three, and then Shea Gilgis Alexander and Josh Giddy in the backcourt. You'll get exposed by some more powerful bigs, but if you're looking for an offensive-minded lineup, that has some upside to it uh, that I'm not super against. And if you don't put the five of them together, any of those players coming off the bench is good moving forward. Uh, so, so yeah, let's go ahead and get Johnny Davis. Let's get one of the better remaining players. But when you're the Thunder and you always have multiple first-round picks for the next like 28 years, just go ahead and grab the better play, like the better players that are available to you. They'll st- most of them will probably work out. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense for sure. Johnny Davis is one of those guys that was probably going to go ahead and see a decent amount of time on the court for the Thunder. Um, I am a little disappointed in your pick there, only because I was looking at somebody for the Thunder. And I'm not going to draft him for the Hornets, actually. But I'll just go ahead and say I was looking at Usman Jang, the Frenchman who's playing in New Zealand right now, because he seems like the typical Oklahoma City Thunder draft pick. He's playing in Australia slash New Zealand. He's kind of positionless. He's like 6'10" but he has some ball handling ability. He can shoot a little bit. He can do everything kind of well. Like he just seems like that type of guy. Just throw him on to the thunder with (laughs) Pokusevsky and Josh Giddy. Terrence Ferguson was a guy who, who played there and and they drafted like he didn't work out, but still like, so I was just thinking like, man, that's just like a perfect fit, but I do like Johnny Davis. I think he's probably better than Jang right now. So I, I can't fault that, but I was like kind of hoping that you would pick that one. Regardless, I've got number 13. And interestingly, I've got back-to-back picks for the Hornets at number 13 and number 15. So I'm going to try to address a couple of needs. First of all, I don't... I mean, I, I'm not actually going to say anything because Mike's picking in between. Um, all, I'll consider it. All I'm going to say... Yeah. All I'm going to say is... Um, I'm looking at a couple different positions for the Hornets. I think one of these is probably more likely for um, the Cavaliers to draft than the other. So I'm going to go ahead and draft a small forward for the Hornets. I'm going to draft Ochai Abaji out of Kansas. This is a guy who I think the Hornets could really, really use on the wing. He's a physical specimen, six foot ten wingspan, forty-two inch vert, six six. Um, definitely can play at at the three, also probably the four. Um, he's a pretty good ball handler and passer as well um, for a wing. So he's going to be able to help out a little bit, even though Lamelo's kind of got that covered for him. But 
you know, I, I think he could probably be the first upperclassman drafted. And, you know, a lot of times we see like the one and done guys go uh, pretty early and that makes sense. But I mean, this guy has a championship pedigree now. I mean, he, he won the national championship with Kansas this past year and was arguably their best player. Um, so yeah, I think this is a home run pick for the Hornets here at number 13. Well, I agree with that. Ochai Abaji is quite possibly my favorite player in this draft. Uh, one of the guys that I'm hoping could potentially fall to Atlanta, but I doubt he will, uh, uh, you know, assuming the Hawks don't trade up. Uh, I don't see Abaji going to six, falling to 16. So needless to say, I love the pick, and if I were the Hornets, I would have drafted that same player. Great. Um, moving on to Cleveland. Cleveland impressed this season. Like, shout out to them. Uh, they've been drafting well? What? Uh, they Their players are coming together? Uh, I think one question mark we have is with Colin Sexton. Uh, he's going to be a restricted free agent this offseason. Um, he's missed some time with injury. They don't seem to need him. I imagine he won't be there next season. So I'm going to go ahead and draft a guard to replace him. Let's stick in this horrible state of Ohio and go ahead and grab Malachi Branham out of Ohio State. Um, so we have a guy in Branham that has the capacity to guard multiple, multiple positions. I'd say comfortably defend one through three, uh, not to mention shooting just about 42% from three this season. Darius Garland will be the initiator on offense. Let's not be silly about this, but Malachi Branham is also more than a, uh, a catch and shoot player. He, he has the the playmaking capacity to be an initiator. He can find his own shot, which will take some of the load off of Darius Garland there, but he can also hit the catch and shoot threes as well. Uh, So I like this pick. I like this fit with Cleveland. So Malachi Branham out of Ohio state. It's always nice to like, keep it same state, you know, like, you know, like when we saw Deandre Ayton going from Arizona to Phoenix, like, so I'm going to keep that kind of situation going on here in Cleveland. All right. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Colin Sexton, we don't really know what we're going to get from him in the future. I think it makes sense to go ahead and get another shooting guard to pair with Darius Garland. Um, and Bram's probably the best player available in that position um, that's remaining. Now, I'm up for the Hornets again. I got a small forward, potentially small ball four, um, with number 13. Numbers, number 15, I think we still got to look at that power forward position. Um, Miles Bridges, Montrez Harrell, <laughs> spoiler alert, we might hear about him later in the show, um, <laughs> are going to be free agents as well as Jalen McDaniels, although that's a, they have a team option on him. I'd be surprised if they didn't pick that up. Um, and then PJ Washington is going to be a restricted free agent in 2023. So I wouldn't be surprised if they started um, trying to pick up another uh, power forward type. Um, so I'm looking at a couple of guys. Uh, I'm looking at Jeremy Soshan out of Baylor and then also Tari Eason out of LSU. I think both of those kind of fit that mold. Um, honestly, like I'm kind of selfishly want to pick Jeremy Soshan because I like Tari Eason more for the Hawks. I think I am going to go with Jeremy Soshan though. I think he's a very interesting prospect who can 
kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, he's a guy who can do a little bit of playmaking, actually, at that power forward position, kind of like Boris Diaw, uh, as a comparison. Um, do a lot of like the little things well. Um, he can he can rebound a little bit. A lot of def- defensive versatility as well. Like he can switch onto guards. Um, but I mean, he's got the size to to battle with bigs as well at 6'10", 230. Um, maybe not centers, but definitely he can fit at that, at that power forward position. So I think that kind of fits in well with the Hornets um, as one of the better offensive teams in the league, but they definitely need more on the defensive end. And I think Sochan could, could help um, maybe like right away starting to guard their best wing player. Because right now, I mean... Gordon Hayward, Kelly Oubre. I don't think those guys are are up for the task. So, uh, yeah, I'll have them picking Jeremy Sochan out of Baylor. Well, that worked out perfectly. So, first of all, you made these two Charlotte picks the exact same way I would have. So, shout out to us thinking alike. Uh, Yeah, so I also would have taken Jeremy Sochan. You can, can guard all five positions. I mean, I feel like nowadays when we say guard all five positions there should be or there's usually an asterisk there and where that asterisk lies is like if there if it's a big we're talking about like a new school big and not like a a dominant like back to the basket big usually if we say a guy can guard all five we're talking about switch situations not like oh put him on Joel Embiid and he'll be fine so we're just gonna I'm gonna put that clarifier there I'm not saying every time they play Philly, Jeremy Sohan should be on Embiid or you know whatever. But he is a defender that you can confidently put out there. Know that he's gonna like do fine in whatever defensive system you want to run because he can switch onto you know whatever uh, at any given point, even if it's not the primary assignment. The other reason it worked perfectly is because Tari Eason is who I want. Yes, As- assuming we don't get Ochai Asterisk. So, SEC Sixth Man of the Year, Tari Eason is a guy that shined in that role in limited minutes uh, for LSU. That gives me good character vibes, right? You know, you like play the role you're given, you do what you're supposed to do. Uh, looking at his size, 6'8", 217, 7'2", wingspan. That makes him part of the plus six club which I like. Um, He's got a decent shot to him, uh, but I'm looking at that defense, man. Ooh, buddy. Let me read this stat for you because it's pretty dope. This season at LSU, Tari Eason had a block percentage of 6.5 and a steal percentage of 4.6. And those percentages basically mean like of all the opponent's possessions while he is on the court, that is the likelihood that that possession ends with him getting a block or a steal so while he's on the court 6.5 percent of the opponent's possessions ended with him blocking the shot 4.6 percent ended with him stealing the ball now you might be wondering that's a kind of obscure stat is that good is that bad he's the first to post six plus and four plus since matisse theibel in 2019 and you already know if you've listened to like two episodes of this podcast you know we love Matisse Thibel out here. And Tari Eason looks like the next great defender coming out of college based on those metrics. Now, I should add, 
Eason's again was 6.5 and 4.6. Thibault was 8.1 and 6.6. Just to speak to how freaking great Thibault is. But uh, Tari Eason has a bit of a more developed offensive game than Matisse Thibault. And great defensive instincts. Um, whether we we play him at the four with or with, without uh, the departure of John Collins, or uh, we put him in different lineups because, despite being 6'8", he has the lateral movement. I think Tari Eason just gives the Hawks a ton of versatility, a great defender, which we need, and a player that we can just plug in a bunch of different positions and know that he will be accepting of that role, at least to start off, right? You got to start somewhere. And he will probably thrive in that role. So Tari Eason out of LSU, if we can't get Ochai Abaji, this is the guy I want, and this is the guy the Hawks are taking here. Well, that worked out for sure. Because <laughs> uh, that's kind of what I was like. Tari Eason is, kinda, is more of the guy that I want for the Hawks for sure. So I'm glad that you took him. I'm glad we were on the same page there. Um, I agree with everything that you said. The only thing that I'm curious about is how Nate McMillan will deploy Tari Eason if he's going to see minutes right away. I mean, we saw Jalen Johnson barely play this past season. And I know that these two guys aren't exactly the same, but it does make me wonder, is Coach Nate just going to say, ah, I'm not really going to play rookies as much unless it's like they come in and they're like, a you know, we do end up trading for like the top five pick or top seven pick or something. And then they, they force their way into the rotation. It's going to be interesting to see just because the Hawks are one of the deepest teams in the NBA. And depending on a trade, I don't know how much time our first round pick will, will spend on the court, but if it's Tari Easton, then I think he needs to, because he brings that, that defense. And like you said, a little bit more offense than like, he's, he's not just a defensive guy. So I definitely like that pick. Now, moving on to number 17, the Rockets. I could go in two ways here. I could go a backup point guard uh, behind Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, Dennis Schroeder is going to be a free agent. John Wall's got his player option, (laughs) which he's probably going to accept, but then like they probably won't play him still. That's just kind of a weird situation. I don't know. Um, so they do need another point guard there, but then also like they just need talent. Um, they just need whoever's going to be the best guy available. That's what they did. Um, when I picked up Paolo Bancaro for them at number three, and I've already talked about this guy earlier. I think I'm going to go with Usman Jang, um, the Frenchman who's out of the New Zealand breakers. Um, you heard me talk about some of his skills previously. Uh, this is a guy who's not going to be able to contribute right away, um, but he's got a lot of tantalizing skills. One of those like high upside guys who you hope um, can turn the corner and be able to to grow into something special. So yeah, so I, I think I'm going to go with him for the Rockets, though I was definitely looking at a couple of point guards, uh, specifically Kennedy Chandler, but... Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Usman Jang here. Okay, I like that. And you know, as we saw last year, Houston is not afraid to reach over to the eastern hemisphere of the of the planet for their players. Uh, we saw them take uh, Alperin Shengun and Usman Garuba last year. So you know, let's just 
add to that. Moving to 18, we've got Chicago. Let's go ahead and assume that Chicago is going to lose or at least have a disgruntled Zach Levine. Let's get another guy that can put the ball in the basket and play some defense while he's at it. And that's EJ Liddell out of Ohio State. Uh, I think this guy made great strides this year as a shooter specifically. As a freshman and pretty much as a sophomore as well, this was a guy that just wanted to get to the basket for the most part. Uh, But we really saw him expand his range this year. And I think that's great ahead of the draft. Uh, He decided to go back to school for his junior year. And I think that helped his stock a lot. I think it's going to help his... um, his placement on an NBA roster and looking at Chicago where they have guards in Lonzo ball, uh, Kobe white, Alex Caruso, they have DeRozan, uh, a ball dominant player, but they also have like Vucevic. They have Patrick Williams, like to be able to put EJ Liddell out there on the wing, uh, without having to put too much pressure on him to be a score because we have all these other good players around him. I think this is a good fit for both the player and the team here. Yeah, he would have fit better on the Timberwolves though. <laughs> uh, that is the one, that is the one guy who I had circled for the Timberwolves. Um, because he would have just felt really, really great there. And Jared Vanderbilt is a fine player, but like EJ Liddell fitting really nicely in there at power forward. That's not an option though. So <laughs> let me let me see. Hmm. Well, here are the, like the next few guys that are on the big board. Guard, 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 forward guard. <laughs> so I don't really think that the Timberwolves need a guard, if I'm being honest. Um, but I think at this point, anybody like at this point they just need to trade out. Um because <laughs> there's nobody who's who I think is worthy of the n- number 19 selection who's still available. But whatever, I'm just going to have to choose somebody anyway. And I guess what I will say is that for the most part, the Timberwolves starting Beverly at point guard uh, D'Angelo Russell at shooting guard. They don't have a ton of depth behind those two guys. Patrick Beverly is going to be a free agent, not this off season, but next off season, as well as D'Angelo Russell. So it does make a little bit of sense for them to go ahead and draft a guy who could potentially be their point guard of the future. There are a couple of options here. There's Ty Ty Washington out of Kentucky. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, I would not draft that guy. I don't think he's very good. Uh, So I'm not, spoiler alert, I'm not going to draft him. Um, So I think I am going to go with a Tennessee man, Kennedy Chandler. Um, This is a guy who, I mean, performed pretty well for Tennessee. Uh, I think he does have some size questions for sure. A 6'1", 171. He's pretty small, but I mean, he does have a lot of speed, ball handling, aggressiveness, um, can get to the basket, can shoot. Um, it really is just going to be how well can he compete on defense? I think, um, is he going to be able to, to 
guard sufficiently enough to um, to see a lot of minutes. But in terms of a uh, you know a backup point guard, I think you could do worse than Kennedy Chandler right now. Um, and so even though EJ Liddell would have been perfect, we'll go with Kennedy Chandler out of Tennessee to the Timberwolves at number nineteen. I can hear it now. But Dave, Ty Ty Washington is good. Uh, go watch like his last few games at Kentucky. Uh, specifically, the the one where they got knocked out by the St. Peter's Peacocks and he shot two of ten. Uh, this is coming off their loss to Tennessee, where he shot six of sixteen, one of seven from three. Um, it's funny you said that. You know, spoiler alert: you're not going to draft him because I wasn't planning on it either. But he's got to go somewhere in the first round. Surely all 30 teams aren't going to be like, mm, nope. So the battle of wills begins. Who's going to break on Ty Ty Washington? It'll probably be me just because I know like he has to get picked up somewhere. Right. Uh, San Antonio, though, is not the place. <laughs> let's uh, let's go ahead and grab Nikola Jovic out of Serbia. This is a high potential international guy that while not like necessarily amazing at one particular thing, can do a little bit of everything. He's one letter away in his name from Nikola Jokic, an MVP in this league. Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> um, Really, though, we were talking about Pop earlier and his ability to get the most out of guys. And so what better team to go ahead and grab um, a 6'10", um, power forward they can really like do some playmaking he's got a decent shot to him uh could potentially pair well with both DeJounte Murray and um assuming they take your pick earlier of Shadon Sharp uh in my mind Jovic fits right in there it makes sense for a Spurs organization that has never had reservations against uh taking international players so I think Jovic will be my Jovic will be my guy here I feel like that's not going to be the last time we hear the Jovic versus Jokic comparison. This poor guy, he comes <laughs> in, he, he doesn't have any control over what his name is. It's not even the exact same, but it's close enough to where they're like, oh, future MVP, question mark? This poor guy. What's funny is that he didn't quite make it to the next pick, which is, ironically, the Nuggets. Not that I was going to draft him here, but it's still, I was tempted or I guess I would have been tempted if he made it. Just the Nuggets GM is just his mouth is watering like <laughs> another. <laughs> Do my eyes deceive me? Right, another one. <laughs> um, no, so yeah, that makes sense. Speaking of the Nuggets, Nuggets are in an interesting spot. Obviously, Jokic balled out again this year. Jamal Murray missed the whole season like that was sad he's going to come back they still have will barton michael porter jr missed almost the whole season like this is a team that has so much potential but they just can't seem to stay healthy um i'm looking at who's left on my on my board and i think it's about it's about time for the next steve nash to be drafted. Now, the only reason I'm saying that is because he went to the same school. <laughs> he is definitely not like Steve Nash, 
um, on the court, but he went to Santa Clara. It's Jalen Williams, 6'6", 190, um, shooting guard. Let me give you a couple of stats about Jalen Williams. Had a really good uh, season this, this past year. Averaged 18 points, 4.1 rebounds, and 4.1 assists. Shot 56% from two, 41% from three. For reference, no other player in the country reached those marks with at least that level of efficiency. So this guy was not only scoring, rebounding, playmaking, but also was doing it at an efficient rate that nobody else can match in the whole country. This guy is kind of one of those typical like late bloomers, um, wasn't super highly recruited or anything like that, obviously. Look at where he's playing. Um, but now he's six six, seven foot wingspan, can give you some playmaking on the wing, um, as well as obviously uh can get you a bucket as well. But yeah, I mean, I think this is a guy who kind of fits the Nuggets mold. I mean, kind of reminds me of Will Barton in some ways. Um, just put him put him in at that shooting guard, small forward position. Um, and he can kind of do a little bit of everything for you. I like his fit in Denver at number 21. Jalen Williams would be the first guy drafted in the first round out of Santa Clara since Steve Nash back in 1996. Through the combine process, uh, through all like the, the pre-draft interviews and everything, uh, as uh, more teams have done like more scouting and everything, this guy is just like building off of that great season. He's going to parlay that almost assuredly into a first-round selection, I think. Uh, so I like this pick here in Denver. Now, Memphis is going to lose Tyus Jones, I'm sure, because, you know, to avoid doing so, they're going to have to match a decent offer on him just like to keep him around as a backup guard. If you're wondering why, it's because Tyus Jones is quietly like one of the most, if not the most efficient guards in basketball in terms of his assist to turnover ratio. Fun fact. So... If, if we're Memphis here, we're looking for a new backup guard, uh, someone that can come in when John Morant is done being amazing for, for minutes and minutes on end. Um, and for that role, I'm looking at Ty, Ty, just kidding. I'm looking at Jaden Hardy from the G League Ignite. This is a guy that just fills the needs that I just laid out. Uh, this is a guy that can be the primary ball handler, um, a guy that can give you quality minutes as a scorer. He's got... Um, He's young. He's got the uh, the athleticism, the uh, the high upside here, um, and Memphis has been doing well at at drafting lately. I mean, you look at obviously John Moran, uh, but you look at like Desmond Bain. You look at Dylan Brooks. Like they're doing well here, and I think Jaden Hardy is the good like next move, a guy that like adds that next level for their uh, for their team in terms of a playmaker that's not named John Moran. Sorry, Ty Ty Washington. You thought you thought for a second, maybe no. <laughs> um, yeah, I was looking at Jaden Hardy uh, in these few selections as well. I think uh, in terms of upside, it makes a lot of sense to go for a guy like him. Next, number twenty three, Philadelphia seventy sixers. I'm going to give them another guy from the G League Ignite, Marjon Bochamp. This is a dude who's actually. <laughs> Kind of similar to Matisse Thibel. I, I won't I won't say that he's exactly as good of a defender as him, but he is one of those typical long-armed wings um, who can uh, contest shots, averages a, a d- decent amount of steals, 
Uh, he averaged one and a half steals in the G League, 15 points, seven boards, two and a half assists. He is probably a little further along offensively than Matisse Thibel is. Um, but I think that would be a really interesting combination with the two of them um, coming off the bench. Like that would be pretty difficult to overcome um, if you're a wing player, especially a wing player coming off of the opposing team's bench. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to get too much off of these guys. Yeah, I mean, this Bochum, he's got a, he's six, six, seven foot one wingspan, huge hands. Um, one of those guys, I think him and Matisse Thibel can just switch on to whoever and, uh, and dominate on defense for the Sixers. Looking at the Bucks, um, this is a team that's competing now, you know, as is the case when we reach, uh, as is typically the case as we reach the end of the first round in any draft, right? So let's look at guys that can come in, contribute right away, um, without necessarily needing to like have huge, like, uh, huge roles carved out for them. And when I think of that kind of player at this point for the Bucks, I'm looking at like a Jake Laravia out of Wake Forest. Um, the big, the big thing for him is going to be that he needs to come in and hit those three-point shots. He's going to get a lot of open looks because of Giannis's uh, penetration at the rim. But if he can stand pat and knock those down, we've already seen the playmaking at his position. We've seen his defensive utility. We know that he can come in and play those minutes. Bobby Portis might not be back next year, and Jake Laravia could be a serviceable replacement there You know, in time. Uh, but the, the three-point shooting is going to determine whether he has a four-year career or a 14-year career. But if he can hit those, I think this works out really well for uh, Milwaukee here. Yeah, I think out of the the guys in that position, he's definitely the best remaining. Um, so that I think that makes a lot of sense for the Bucks. Now I'm picking for the Spurs. So this is the Spurs' third first round pick this year. I gave him Shade on Sharp. Mike gave him Nikola Jovic, and so now I've got their final pick of the first round. And there are. There are a few guys left um, who I think are are options, but I'm going to go with Blake Wesley out of Notre Dame, uh, shooting guard. He's very physically gifted. He really made some noticeable strides this year, um, specifically on defense and playmaking as well. And I think he has the ability to be a steal at this point. That was definitely a guy that I was considering uh, in these last few picks. But it's not who I was looking at for Dallas at 26. Dallas needs a few things. But one thing that I that's but one thing that's sticking with me from the playoffs is watching Luca just expend all of his energy on offense and then get attacked on the defensive end. Maybe let's got get maybe let's get a guy that can sort of counteract that they can go okay we're gonna we're gonna uh, work on some switch defending i'm gonna take on the pressure of you know defending that uh primary ball handler let's get a guy that can guard legitimately one through three uh dale and terry out of arizona uh we're talking about six foot seven with a seven foot wingspan almost plus six whatever that's still good um and he's got the speed to really cover your point guards in the NBA. And uh, personality, man. This guy 
competes. Let me just tell you. Uh, I think that's going to be something that's good for that Dallas culture as well. Not that like Luke is not competing, but I I like the personality pairing of Terry and Doncic. Uh, I think Terry likes to be that like defensive, like anchor type. Uh, he seems to get a joy out of getting those stops, whereas Luca is a savage and laughs at players as he scores on them. So I, I like that pairing, but also just the, the offensive star with the defensive threat. Um, so Dale and Terry is going to be my pick in Dallas at 26. Yeah, for sure. And I noticed you didn't say his name. <laughs> Jalen Brunson going to be a free agent. They're going to need another guy at shooting guard. Um, and Dale and Terry is a guy you can probably give you a little bit more on the defensive end. Maybe not quite as much offensively, but um, yeah, I think the Mavericks need defense more than they need offense. I mean, they've got Luka. Uh, that's pretty much all you need at this point. Um, now, moving on to number 27, the Miami Heat coming off, which you have to say, fairly disappointing season considering how well they did in the regular season. Um, I'm looking at Walker Kessler out of Auburn for them. Um to back up Bam out of bio. I mean, he was the defensive player of the year um, for Auburn. One of the main reasons why they had such a good season. Um, 7-1, wingspan. And this is probably the number one shot blocker in college basketball last year. Um, pick and roll finisher. Has some potential as a shooter, specifically in high school. Uh, he was a better shooter, did not really show that this past year. Um, so if he can rediscover that, then he got drafted too low in this situation. Um, if he can end up being a stretch big who also can dominate defensively like he showed that he can uh, in college this past season, then yeah, he needed to be drafted ahead of this. But those questions do remain about his shooting. But I think uh, this guy could be a really good uh, backup center for the Heat. Um, and potentially if he discovers that form, um, could even play next to Bam Adebayo. I'm glad you picked Walker Kessler because I was sitting here like, ah, dang, I want him to go first round, but it, it's not really going to make sense for either of the remaining teams I have to pick him. So thank you for picking Walker Kessler because the dude deserves the respect. Um, looking at Golden State at 28, I'm going to name the point guards on Golden State's roster. Steph Curry. Solid. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Granted, that's a top five all-time point guard, but that's where the list ends. So unless you count like Chris Chioza, who's like literally like eating popcorn at the games, like I don't count him. Um, so we got a, a team with plenty of wing depth. We know they have James Wiseman. There's not really the sense in grabbing a center. So now is probably the time to get a, a backup point guard, a guy that can, you know, dribble, initiate some offense. And so I, I hear you guys. I hear you. You're screaming Ty Ty Washington. I'm not. <laughs> we might not draft him. <laughs> Max Christie, Michigan State. <laughs> I I don't care. <laughs> I don't care that his assist numbers were under two a game. Dude is six foot six. Uh, he's got the solid ball handling. And the, the reality of the situation was that even though he didn't get a lot of assists, he had a lot of like what we, you know, just see as like pass to assist, right? Michigan State's offense 
this year was not set up in such a way that there was going to be one guy getting like a ton of just straight up assists. But they were running the offense often through Max Christie, who was setting up the plays. Uh, he's comfortable with the ball in his hand. And, you know, whether or not he gets significant minutes next year is, I think, irrelevant when you're picking at 28. At this point, I'm looking at like Steph Curry if, will eventually retire. And the closer we get to that point, you know, the the more minutes we can give to Max Christie, all the while letting him learn from one of the best point guards to ever play, play slash touch a basketball. So Max Christie is my pick for Golden State, not for the short term, but for the long term. I think it is a uh, a good fit there. All right. So as you were doing your spiel about not picking Ty Ty Washington, I was like, Oh no, he's going to pick the point guard that I was going to select for the Grizzlies, but you didn't Max Christie. I'm, you know, have fun in golden state. I'm happy about that. But the guy who I wanted to go to the Grizzlies is still on the board. Spoiler alert. Again, it's not Ty Ty Washington. (laughs) It's Andrew Nimhard out of Gonzaga. I love this guy's game. Um, I really do. I think it. I think he really fits with Memphis and what they're building there. It just seems like, his, like his personality would just fit on that team. Not only that, but this is a dude who just continued to get better and better over time for Gonzaga. He was the catalyst for that team, um, making plays whenever they needed it. Really strong leadership skills, um, and from all by all accounts has continued to uh, increase his stock at the combine with interviews with teams, all of that. Um, I would not be surprised to see him sneak into the back of the first round. This is a guy who has a lot of um, a lot of experience playing for a winning program and is somebody who could, who could come in. I know that uh, we picked up Jaden Hardy um, earlier for the Grizzlies. I think Nimhard's more of a, an actual point guard and is also probably more ready to go ahead and start right away or not start, but get minutes right away. I'm also a fan of his game. So glad he's getting that shout here. And now we've arrived at 30, which means if you're thinking about a couple guys or, you know, three or four guys or whatever, like, Oh, these guys haven't gotten drafted. Well, some, if not all of them that you're thinking of aren't getting drafted in our mock draft in the first round. We're not doing a second round. Nobody has that kind of time. So let me just shout out a couple players because they deserve to have their names mentioned on this podcast, but I'm going to narrow it down to players that I'm not picking. Trevor Keels out of Duke, uh, freshman guard, uh, should be an early second round pick. Caleb Houston out of Michigan. I maintain that he shouldn't have gone to the draft. Uh this man came out of high school thinking he was going to be a one and done and just freaking stuck with it, even though he should have realized, oh, I uh, really let myself down. I did not play like a like a high recruit here. Maybe another year under Jawan Howard would be good for me. Nope. He's going to the draft. I think you deserve to be a second rounder, if that. Uh, he'll be a second rounder. Let's not kid ourselves. But a first round talent, he is not. I was I was waiting for you to I was like is he going to just go ahead and put Caleb Houston in the first round but thankfully no. The next guy I'm not picking is Ty Ty Washington. <laughs> you are not selected in our first round. You choke in March Madness, that's what happens. Okay. Hey, all I'm going to say is 
do you remember who he, <clears throat> you were absolutely taking a shit on for their performance in March Madness last year? <laughs> and who ended up coming back and having a really good season for the Magic, Mr. Franz Wagner. <laughs> not not to call you out like that, but I mean... That is funny. Um, but to, to be clear, fair, maybe you were just a little too close to the situation. I, I, I want to clarify my position there, and it's really quick. I'm, t- I'm saying Ty Ty Washington might not deserve to be a first round pick my issue with franz and obviously i've been proven wrong by this anyway but my position with franz was like should he be a top 10 pick i was arguing franz should go closer to like 20 to 25 i'm saying ty ty washington shouldn't get driving the first round <laughs> but okay, fair enough yes nonetheless i was proven wrong franz wagner good job great rookie season proud of you you proved me wrong i'll eat the crow on it as we do on the Mike and Dave podcast, admit when we're wrong and admit when we're right. So the last guy that I'm not taking but deserves love is Wendell Moore out of Duke. Uh, if he's not drafted in the first round, he should be pick 31 in my book. But that leaves David Roddy out of Colorado State. Uh, this is a stat sheet stuffer um, that I think just pairs too well with Nikola Jokic. Uh, not to mention the other pieces they have in Denver. Should Jamal Murray ever play again, dude, come back. I'm sick of seeing you hurt. It breaks my heart. But if we can get a healthy Nuggets roster out there, first of all, watch out for that championship. Second of all, David Roddy just fits seamlessly into that rotation. Uh, a great player to come off the bench and the type of guy that I could see carving out a starting role on a solid team in the NBA. Uh, David Roddy is versatile enough, I think, to earn this spot in the first round. If your name is David, then you can't go wrong. That's that's my draft analysis there. Like He seems like a Nuggets type of guy. So I like that. And with that, that's going to wrap up our 2022 NBA mock draft. Sorry, no second round. We figured y'all listen to us nerd out on prospects for long enough as it is. Um, but yeah, definitely... Uh, let us know if we missed anybody. If you're a Ty Ty Washington fan, uh, hit us up and tell us why we were wrong to not get draft him in the first round. Um, or if you're Ty Ty Washington himself. Yeah. Come at me, bro. No. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Sorry, man. Shoot better. <laughs> oh my gosh. Clutch up. <laughs> Everybody gets injured, but it's, it depends on how you come back from your injury. And Kentucky wishes you hadn't come back at all. <laughs> it's not it's not how you fall. It's how you get up. Maybe you should have stayed in bed. Yeah. Um, and just because you're a Kentucky guard, I, I will say this one thing. I feel like there's a history of Kentucky guards who didn't do quite as well um, in college because of Kentucky's system that ended up flourishing in the NBA. Maybe he's the next one of that. I'm just not personally convinced of it. So we'll see. Maybe he'll prove us wrong. Maybe he'll be the new Franz Wagner. Uh, it's it's not the same. Um, I just like to, you know, I just wanted to bring that up. Regardless, yeah, that'll wrap up this segment. When we come back, we'll do the hot seat and the fun fact. All right. And it's time for this episode's edition of 
the infamous hot seat. Famous to us, infamous to the recipients. And, okay, we're, we're traveling to Kentucky, where Montrez Harrell, who, Dave, you uh, spoiled this earlier, but, yep, we're talking about Montrez Harrell. Uh, he was pulled over for following too close. Okay, that's it. That's the hot seat. No. So, when the, when the police were walking to his car, they noticed a particular odor, at which point they asked him, yeah, do you have any drugs in the car? So he produces from his sweatpants pocket a little bit of marijuana. Okay. So they're like, so this prompts them to search the car, in which they find in vacuum sealed Ziploc bags three pounds of marijuana. You heard that right. Not ounces, but pounds. And not one, not two, but three pounds of it. Okay. So if you're wondering, hey, Mike, what are the marijuana laws in Kentucky? I'll tell you. This uh, classifies as a Class D felony uh, for trafficking in Kentucky. What's the punishment for that? Well, it's a $10,000 fine for a $9.5 million a year athlete. That's no big deal. What is a big deal is the up to five years in prison part. Um, Montrez Harrell conveniently for the Hornets, was going to be a free agent this year anyway. So they're not getting, like, screwed over in any way. Uh, he was going to be a free agent. Now he might not even be a free man this summer. Uh, dude, hey. what are you doing? Okay, I, I've got I've got a couple things. Not only can Montrez Harrell not space the floor, he also can't leave enough space between him and the vehicle in front of him. <laughs> Number two, well, Mon- like you said, Montrez Harrell going to be a free agent this offseason. At least the Hornets aren't going to have to trade him to whatever <laughs> prison 5v5 pickup basketball team he's going to join. <laughs> he just gets to go there for free. Those- Can we do like a basketball version of the longest yard? <laughs> Starring Montrez Harrell. Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, I just, regardless of what your opinions are on like the legalization of marijuana or whatever, like you're an NBA player who makes millions and millions and millions of dollars every year. Why are you carrying that around in your backpack, sir? But it makes no sense at all. We see this every single year, multiple times, usually. I just don't understand. It was like Greg Robinson last time. That's the last one I remember. Tackle, or I guess former tackle and the NFL. Like, I just don't understand what these guys, what's going through these guys' heads. Like, you've got plenty of money. You got it made. You got it made for life. Your family made, you know, is set for life. And yet you come, you come out here and you do something stupid. Like, my uh the at least that i want to add because you said you know we see these kinds of things time after time with pro athletes at least this is the victimless variety you know and that that goes to what you're saying about like regardless of how you feel about the legalization of marijuana there isn't someone being like assaulted here so like in terms of crimes that we see over and over again i prefer this one but (laughs) 
what is not up for discussion is that Montrez Harrell does land in, land himself in the slammer and on the hot seat for episode 31. Which just leaves us with our final order of business. Dave's fun fact. What do you got for us this time? Quick and easy. I know it's been a long episode already. The United Nations estimates there are over 3 million shipwrecks on the ocean floor. I know I usually preface these fun facts and like ramble on about them uh, for way too long, but that's it. There are 3 million ships on the ocean floor scattered around with untold riches and stuff. It's just kind of wild that there are so many ships that are that have sunk over the course of time. That's it. That's my fun fact. <laughs> okay. So I know we've talked before about like how crazy, like deep and ex- expansive the, uh, the ocean is. We are talking about whales and their fat ass babies. Some, Yay, many episodes ago. Who could forget that? Fun fact. It's classic. <laughs> Certainly not I, being of the former fat-ass baby myself. Um, True. So the ocean has this room for not only these lardo whales, but also three million shipwrecks. And the Ships aren't made out of, like, banana peels or anything, so we don't have, like, a bunch of biodegradable ships down there. They're just chilling, like, metal and, you know, whatever. I'm not an engineer. I don't know how to make a boat. But but theoretically, you could scour the ocean floor and be like, wow, there are a lot of boats down here. And as for the untold treasures, that I'm not so sure about. Hey, you never know. Like, find some dude's... I think if I found some dude's wallet, like, on the ocean floor, all the money therein would be, like beyond ironing to repair you know oh i'm thinking like gold or something i don't know i think this man's thinking about doubloons out here it's like national treasure but underwater or what was that uh what was that video game series uncharted is that what it's called uh yeah with the islands yeah yeah. so you know it, it it's possible but i think that that is it is kind of interesting the ocean's like that one like final frontier that we don't know that much about. And like the fact that we've put 3 million (laughs) ships down there is kind of crazy for sure. But that's going to wrap up episode 31 of the Mike and Dave podcast. Thank you for listening as always. I hope you enjoyed our mock draft uh, where we covered all 30 teams and well, actually, it's not true. We didn't cover all 30 teams because some teams didn't have a first round pick. But we covered 30 players, though, and a lot of the teams. So uh, hopefully that satisfies your um, your draft itch for now. Um, looking forward to the actual NBA draft. In the next episode, we'll be covering and recapping what happened in the NBA draft. Really excited to see what trades we, we might see, um, surprises, different like big moves, um, throughout the league, the NBA offseason is always, in my mind, the most exciting offseason in sports. So, of course, we're looking forward to seeing how that all shakes out uh, in the coming weeks. As always, feel free to interact with us on social, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Mike and Dave Pod. Uh, this is where you can voice your approval or disapproval of our mock draft and our selections if you think a player was slighted 
or praised too much, let us know that. Uh, we'll be posting our mock draft on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, of course. Uh, so look for that. Interact with us there. Leave us a five-star rating on whatever podcast platform you're using to listen to us. And listen out two weeks from now for the next Mike and Dave Friday for episode 32. But until then, and as always, this has been Mike. This has been Dave, and you've been listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast.